extra, extra the lost of the titans, the lost of the titans, the lost of the titans, extra, 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 well, hello everyone. You're listening once again to Titans Extra, and uh, with my main man Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing great. How are you guys? And uh, you you've brought back up from uh, Canada. Yes. Yes. <laughs> In uh, the form East of West connection. <laughs> We're here to talk about hockey, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In the lacrosse. Of, uh, it's going to be a lacrosse podcast. Stephen Graham, who is, uh, who's, I guess these days, known as the main man behind the chief, uh, what was it called? The Greatest Wrestling Ever Project. Hello, Stephen. Hey. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. but uh, uh, And I've done a publicity tour. I was on the uh, <laughs> Dr. Keith Presents on the Wrestling Observer to promote the project, so... Now I'm here to uh, promote the project too. Why not? That's yeah, true. and uh, this does actually uh, tie in directly to what we're doing today. Uh, why don't you explain, Kelly? Well, um, we're heading to uh, your home country, Parv, mm. for the first time ever uh, on Titans um, and looking at the classic world of sports slash joint promotions wrestling from the 1970s, which um, in pro wrestling only circles anyway is considered uh, some pretty good stuff and has been talked about quite a bit in the last few years. And this is really interesting wrestling, totally different than uh, North American wrestling. Um, it's got its own style. Um, just, I, I love it personally. I think it's great stuff and it's uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Yes, and uh, believe it or not, despite, uh, you know, hailing from these great aisles I do, um, Weirdly, I probably know a lot more about U.S. territorial history than I do about the history of uh, wrestling in Britain. Um, so, uh, Kelly, do you have any information about the world of sport before we <laughs> look into these matches? Well, yes, I wouldn't be much of a Chief J historian if I, I didn't have something prepared. Because, <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of the listeners out there um, aren't familiar with uh, world of sport style wrestling because there is you know uh, a significant difference in the rules and and the history is is very interesting too so you know before diving into uh, match reviews I, I thought it'd be good to go over some of the history in a, in a quick fashion if possible um, so yeah I mean professional wrestling history in England prior to the 20th century I don't know too much about and i'm not sure how widespread it was uh prior to the 20th century um a lot of the histories i've read sort of st have things starting with right at the beginning of the 20th century with george hackenschmidt who was yeah. um a legendary wrestler uh, at that time one of the first really big huge international stars <laughs> in pro wrestling and he sort of made a name for himself first in um england in london around 1900 1901 and uh, became a big sensation, apparently, toured around the country, and sort of from there then started touring around the world and eventually went to America and had um, two famous matches with Frank Gotch in Chicago, um, 1908 and 1911, uh, respectively. Um, so, you know, I don't know a ton about the, the era prior to the 1930s. That's sort of where I really kind of... Actually, it was just last night. Not not to say that I haven't uh, looked at this 
before it and read about it before, but last night I did a quick like uh, crash course in British history to be prepared or British wrestling history to be prepared uh, for the show. Um, in the 1930s, wrestling in England, Britain was very uh, popular. It was known as all in wrestling at that time. And basically it was close to the American style of wrestling, um, but maybe even more violent than American wrestling at the time. Apparently there was a lot of concerns about the violence level with, you know, chair usage and blood. And uh, actually by the end of the 1930s, the London County Council banned uh, professional wrestling in, in England, or I don't know how widespread it was, if it was like the whole UK. Um, so that was the end of all in wrestling. And then World War II began right around the same time, so that shut down any like possible um, resurgence in, in wrestling. And, and uh, there wasn't another wrestling show in England until 1947 in London at the Herring, Herringy, I think that's how it is, Arena in London. Anyway, um, that show was condemned by journalists as being overly fake, and there was a lot of <laughs> negative publicity. And... Um, at the time, uh, there was a man named Admiral Lord. Now I, I'm not sure about the pronunciation of this name. Either part of you may know. Uh, Mount Mount Evans. Is that how you say it? Would you know? Uh, anyway, Mount Evans. Is it? M O U N T E V A N S. Anyway, he was sounds a lord. About, sounds about right. <laughs> he was a Lord <laughs> Admiral, and he was a big fan of wrestling, and he he heard about the or read about the the negative response to the the 1947 show and was kind of shocked that wrestling had this opinion uh or that was the opinion a lot of people had of wrestling as being fake and and you know lowbrow entertainment or whatever and so he decided to form this committee um that came up with official rules for good clean honest wrestling and <laughs> yeah you have this look with you uh, I have, well, kind of like the, the uh, brief like outline. Um, basically, he came up with the idea for seven uh, formal weight divisions. Um, and the seven uh, divisions were uh, lightweight, which was um, you had to be 154 pounds or less to be qualified as a lightweight. There was welterweight, which was um, 165 pound limit. Middleweight, 176 pounds, I believe, is the limit. Then heavy middleweight, 187-pound limit. Light heavyweight, 198 pounds. A mid-heavy heavyweight, which is 209 pounds. And then finally a heavyweight, which was 210 pounds or more. And there was belts created for all these weight classes. And also at this time, the... Um, the rules were uh, established where each match was um, under uh, rounds, similar to boxing. Um, usually uh, matches were uh, six rounds of five minutes in duration each round. And basically you had to um, score two falls in six rounds to be the winner. And if you won a fall, immediately that uh, round ended and you'd go to the next fall from there um there was differences some matches were um straight like 30 minutes with two falls with no rounds i think tag matches tag team matches were um strictly uh like 30 minutes long with no rounds uh but i'm not 100 percent sure about that 
Um, and then there was different, um, I think, uh, the amount of rounds in a match could be different and the time limit for each round uh, could be different. But it seemed like um, six rounds, five-minute rounds was the sort of the most popular uh, usage of that uh, rule. So that's what makes um, uh, a British-English uh, World of Sport match different. The, uh, the main reason that it's different than North American wrestling is the round system. Yeah, I have to... Uh, there's two things I want to talk about here before we uh, carry on, Kelly. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, um, my immediate thought about the, the many different weight divisions is too many. Too many yeah. weight divisions, too many belts. I thought there wasn't enough. Uh, I, um, Lord Littlebrook... <laughs> would have to compete in the lightweight division, and those guys could be 50 pounds heavier than him. And that's a little unfair. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and this has always been a problem I've had with boxing, too, with with actual, uh, is like, which is which is the division to care about here? Which is the main one? That's what I want to know. And I guess yeah. it, it comes from, a, I don't know, a wrestling fan mindset, uh, of a, like a US wrestling fan mindset, or... Because uh, that's something I've always struggled with. You know, what's the most important division? Right, well, it's the heavyweights. I, I care about the heavyweights, and I care about, you know, maybe that division that has, uh, 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 you know, maybe the middleweight sometimes. That can be, like, a cool division in uh, in boxing. But mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about the different weights? Uh, I think uh, because UFC, um, they have, I don't know, five weight division six weight division whatever they are and that seems to work out well for them so you know i i think anything can work and i think what happened well in british is that they did the uh the flex weight or the free weight whatever it was where right they had people from different weight divisions square catch off weight. catch weight yeah so i think that worked out but like, yes don't you want one belt that you care about more than the others well like what i can tell is that british wrestling was it really about the belts like that didn't seem to be the biggest deal. Can, it's can hard we? to say. I think, I think the belts were important, but I'm not sure of all the weight divisions, you know, which were considered more significant than the others. I think lightweight was quite important because we've seen or we'll uh, see some lightweight matches. I've encountered quite a few lightweight matches over um, the last couple of years when I've watched World of Sport. Heavyweight. Um, is is yeah like parv said i mean that's the most important in boxing i don't know if it was really the most important in world of sports um and then as for the other divisions i'm not sure if they all like kept going uh so much you know after the rules were established i think some sort of maybe fell off like mid heavyweight light heavyweight heavy middleweight it seemed like those were all very similar and and maybe they they didn't uh emphasize those as much um but i'm not sure um but yeah it, it's a lot and i think at the peak there was like counting all the regional belts uh in the uk there's something like 70 different titles under the the joint promotions <laughs> umbrella at uh, its peak and, and there's me thinking in uh, nwa in like in, uh, 86 had too many titles <laughs> yeah i think looking at it from the north american perspective it's strange because yeah relatively the belts in north america over the years have been not as plentiful but in mexico i believe historically they've had a lot of different um weight class uh titles and and regional belts and such so it, it depends on the culture and what you grew up with um but steven made the point of the, the catch weight which i i forgot to mention yes there was a lot of catch weight 
uh, matches because that was where you could match up wrestlers from two different weight classes. And, um, yeah, those were quite popular. Um, and it seems like the actual title matches were pretty rare. I don't think they defended the belts on TV much, if at all. The title matches were almost like uh, boxing where they were only defended like maybe once or twice a year. Um, probably at big shows like the Royal Albert Hall in London was kind of like almost the equivalent of Madison Square Garden, I think, for uh, World of Sport. And um, that's where the title matches occurred. And they were quite rare. Like it wasn't uncommon for champions like Jim Brakes to have the belt. I think he was the lightweight champion for like several years, you know, like a eight, nine, ten year stretch sort of thing where he never lost. And mm-hmm. and uh, so there wasn't a lot of title changes, um, I'm pretty sure, at least in the uh, the golden age or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, of, uh, uh, I mean, it's weird. The, the, the other uh, well, we'll get on to that in a second. Um but but uh, I I listened to that Adrian Street interview uh, the other night that he did with uh, Jim Ross, mm-hmm. and uh, Street was saying they literally ran thousands of shows yeah. every, every year, um, and that's one of the weirdest things, the weirdest differences I think between uh, British wrestling and uh, at this time in the seventies and the eighties um, to the kind of the U.S. business model. Because, you know, you were talking about their MSG type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would have big shows, but they'd also be putting on so many different shows a week. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, you put on 10 shows, which are probably small. You know, they're running those smaller working men halls and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're a bit, their entire business model is different. So something to think about. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you both about the round system. Because... My immediate thought uh, the other night when I started watching these were storytelling possibilities. That was the first thought that I had. Uh, what do you think, Stephen? Well, I had um, this discussion with my wife the other day about creativity and art. And I think um, having just an open slate, um, you can be so creative. But I think putting restrictions, like say the round system in, um, really opens the door for more creativity because you have so much to work with and I, I think with that like there's so many possibilities that it leads to a very interesting style and I think you can get a lot out of it and you know I don't know if I prefer it to just a straight one up fall but I can see room for both styles and both can lead to a lot of great stuff Kelly yeah, I, I have no problem with it. I mean, one of the complaints uh, you often see about people um, getting into World of Sport is that they they don't like the round system. It's I don't know, just it, that's a barrier for them. And I've never, you know, I never felt that way. It, I, it's pretty easily understandable. I mean, each round is five minutes long. You know, like boxing, you, when the bell rings, you have to stop and go to your corner, and um, then you start again for a new round. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like, I mean, the basic structure is kind of like um, the best two out of three falls traditional style still, even with the rounds. I mean, you need to win two falls and there's the drama in there um, with, um, you know, winning the one fall and tying it up and then, you know, uh, either have a draw or someone wins um, decisively. Um, a lot of the matches seem to be, you know, quite long you know relatively long like they'll go the full six round distance um 30 minutes um 
yeah it's it's a totally different style i don't know i I wouldn't say that the round uh system limits storytelling um at all um no i i enjoy the style it's 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 really cool great yeah no yeah i i uh, i have no problems with it at all either um but it's, it, it is one of those things that you have to uh, get used to i guess it's a really big difference Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'll give you as a basis of comparison. I find it a lot easier to get straight away than uh, Lucha Trios matches, which I still right. now have no idea what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, I'm glad you brought up Lucha because I thought there's a lot of uh, similarities. Um, you have the two out of three falls. You kind of have a more mat-based, submission-based style. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of, like, especially for these matches it's more of a not these guys hate each other like that happens in lucha mm-hmm. it happens mm-hmm. in sport, but it's more of this is a contest and we're trying to beat each other and i i think if you like lucha especially lucha title matches i think world of sport would probably be a pretty easy transition yeah with uh, with two benefits on top of that one you have a english commentator there explaining what's going on uh, right. Kelt, uh, uh, Kent Walton, uh, Walton mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a benefit to those of us who enjoy commentary. <laughs> um, so, that, so that's one thing. Um, and uh, the other thing is that I think, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, that the style of mat work um, is, how can I put it, uh, it grittier. Than you, what you're getting a lot of those technical lucha matches that you'll watch, less kind of exhibitiony, uh, which is something that I enjoy. So that's just my take as uh, someone who's still really struggling to get into lucha. So mm-hmm. there we go. Um, yeah. No, Stephen yes. brought up a good point about how you know the the traditional heel face dynamic is is underplayed in uh, World of Sport, where actually there was like probably i don't know what the ratio would have been but far more you know as we would call them baby faces than heels um probably something like you know 75 percent to 25 percent sort of um because most matches were um basically like a you know they were presented as a legit contest where you know they you cared about winning and you know it wasn't about like a heel face dynamic like there were feuds um, between wrestlers, but not in the sense that we would think of them in North America as, you know, blood feuds with angles and, um, you know, especially like like anything, something like outside interference in a world of sport match is completely unheard of or ref bumps or, um, a, you know, a foreign object usage, all that sort of stuff. Even like the heels in world of sport, mainly they just sort of they fight a little dirty and they complain to the referee a lot, um, you know, and they're kind of whiners as we'll see with Jim breaks and um, <laughs> Mick McManus. Um, so it is a totally different style of heel. You have really. to think about the context, I think more than anything else, um, which I, I, I suspect you're going to get onto Kelly. Um, but you have to look at that TV slot, which, yeah. which explains why those matches are mostly half an hour. That's right. <laughs> because they had a 45-minute slot, yeah. um, you know, where you, maximum you're going to get, what, two matches? Mm-hmm. Uh, one long match and maybe some talk around it, you know? Right. Um, and, the, and the other thing is that 
I mean, well, why why do why didn't you carry on, Kelly? And we'll go into that when we uh, when we hit it. Right. Uh, before I move on, I just wanted to sort of remark about uh, Admiral Lord Mount Evans, and I'm kind of curious. You know, did he know wrestling was worked, or was he total <laughs> Mark like, when he came up with this committee and the rules? Like, I I haven't like even in Lister's piece. Um, uh, the history of British wrestling, jumped by John Lister, that where I'm getting most of this information, um, and and John Lister's a, a frequent poster at ProWrestlingOnly.com, and it's it's a very good piece. But even in that, he doesn't um, speculate as to whether Mount Evans thought it was um, uh, up on the up and up, or or if he was you know just a fan that that knew it was work. So I'm I'm kind of curious about that, uh, you know. <laughs> But, well, I mean, uh, what do I'm, you guys think? I'm looking at the guy's uh, at the guy's Wikipedia page. <laughs> awesome, awesome looking uh, chap he is. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he went on like Antarctic expeditions. Yes. <laughs> he was like a legit. He was a legit admiral in both the world wars. You know, yeah. knighted, distinguished order. Um, I would suspect that he he's just so upstanding this this guy that yeah i would have no idea that would be my take but uh yeah what wow. do you think Stephen? <laughs> i have no idea but i always love the idea of someone in the wrestling business or trying to work around it that still like thinks it's real like that is <laughs> such an amazing idea that it just makes me happy so either way, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to believe that he he totally believed 100 percent in what, the what's integrity. Funny what's <laughs> funny for the What's funny about this is that you look at this guy here, and then you think of some of the like the utter charlatans who've been in, uh, like uh, you know, uh, Lord uh, Lord Alfred Hayes or <laughs> Lord James Blear or one of these sort of sort of characters. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, carry on, Kelly. Okay, um, so in 1952, what happened um, in England was uh, joint promotions was formed, and they uh, basically they were you know more or less uh, similar to the NWA, which they were a cartel of uh, promoters that got together to basically you know rule wrestling and control the wrestling business as the NWA did um, at their peak in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And uh, I'm not sure how many promotions it was exactly. Uh, it was quite a few. And they adopted um, Mount Evans' rules. You know, basically that was a good decision. You know, get the official sort of stamp of approval from a lord. And then um, and then go about their business. And, and basically, yeah, they ruled wrestling in, in England with an iron fist for uh, several decades. And in 1955, like probably the, the biggest... Um, turning point in, in British wrestling history was finally wrestling was on TV for the first time. Um, the first show was November 9th, 1955 on uh, the precursor to the ITV uh, channel. And in 1964, it went full-time as part of the World of Sports show, which um, I guess was sort of like a combo show of quite a few different sports. Parv, do you know a bit more about that probably oh, yeah um well i mean basically it's what you'd call as a an omnibus show where you right. have uh many different uh the bbc basically had a long running show called grandstand 
um, where they'd had, you know, they chose some football, they chose some uh, darts, they chose some snooker, mm-hmm. had, uh, had a wonderful theme tune that you should look up if you don't know it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it was famous for a lot of things like the final score, for example, you know, right. Manchester, Manchester United won, Nottingham Forest. Too. Oh, I yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know they they they'd have Wimbledon. They they'd show like uh, the Oxford Cambridge University boats race wow. uh, during Olympic times. They you know it was just like they devote all of the all of the weekend, all of the Saturday uh, programming to sports on uh, BBC. Uh, CBC would do the exact same thing when I was growing up. At least I still think to this day that Saturday they would just. It would right, be like a different sport type of thing. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. And it was a very, I mean, I remember when they stopped Grandstand, it was a very sad day. Uh, and I, I still think it was probably a mistake. They should have carried on doing that because it was one of those great institutions. Um, you know, and like, for example, the BBC have also got Match of the Day, which is a gang of fantastic theme tune. And that's still going. And if they'd stopped that for any reason, that would have been a m- mistake as well. So. You know, it's just one of those long-running shows. Anyway, ITV, right. uh, which has always been a bit of an up, Johnny Upstart kind of commercial rival right. uh, to the good old-fashioned BBC here. Um, and, I mean, ITV has always been a bit more kind of like a glitzy, kind of like louder counterpart, almost mm-hmm. like... A, um, well, they started up a rival uh, show, World of Sport, uh, where they'd... Uh, they'd run it straight up against Grandstand and they'd put on things like, um, you know, they'd have some uh, football stuff. They'd have, they'd show things like darts and bowls and snooker and things like that. Um, racing, like, uh, you know, horse racing sometimes they'd have. Um, the halftime scores and permanent Who play- Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, ask, ask me, Stephen. What's, what's that? Which channel played cricket? Because that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, I think, but well, I think it, the thing is, it changes. It changes depending on the year and depending on the time. I think typically, though, you'd have uh, cricket on the BBC. Although I don't know if they'd run it on Grandstand because you know one game of cricket, cricket goes all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've never, I've never been a fan for that reason. Boring as hell for me. But, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I know people who are well into their cricket. Uh, yeah, but typically what they do is, though, they'd say, well, this is uh, Grandstand today is going to be the cricket. And it'll, it'll just be the cricket all day. And maybe right. the scores will run down the bottom for all the other sports and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, wrestling uh, had a permanent slot there pretty much uh, in the schedule, um, usually around 4 p.m. Just before yep, 4 the... Just before the end of, uh, just before the you know the final results and the news and yep. things, yeah. Um, and yeah, that was it. And World of Sport, as far as I know, Kelly, mm-hmm. wasn't just the one promotion, as 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 you're explaining. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of it's become like a, a catch-all term for for British wrestling, whereas it it was the the show where the wrestling was on, not the name of the promotion. Yeah. But because that's the the footage we have is is all you know world of sport footage it's become like the the term you would use to describe british wrestling where joint promotions is actually the the, the correct yeah thing. yeah well well the, the thing is is that as far as i understand it and i'm sure anybody who listens to this who knows about this stuff will correct me immediately if i'm wrong 
I don't think every single bout did come from joint promotions. I think uh, at different times, different promoters would be able to get certain matches on TV. Predominantly right. joint promotions, but sometimes it could be from another promoter, for example, would get a slot to be able to show a match or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm far from an expert on this stuff. Um, there were, yeah, over the decades, there were different sort of number two uh, outlaw, if you want to call it, independent mm -hmm. promotions that, um, that yeah, had TV. Um, later in the 80s, All-Star Wrestling became like the most notable one. Yeah. That was at a time when joint promotions was weakening quite a bit. I, and yeah. I think actually at some point they officially lose the coverage to All-Star. All uh, I believe wrestling. that's yeah, I yeah. believe that's true. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's covered sort of the the basics. Um, of course, it, it's just a like a, a Cole's notes version, an overview of 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 things before we get into discussing the matches. Um, and hopefully, we'll do maybe more of these shows in the future where um, we can delve more in depth into the uh, history and um, and other areas of British wrestling. Yeah, I just need one thing explained to me because I find it very strange and um, I didn't get a chance to look it up before. But, Parv, could you explain stones as a weight measurement? Because it seems <laughs> very weird. Oh, yeah. um, well, uh, in this country, uh, we have a we I, I would say we have a weird mix of imperial measurements and uh, right. me metrics. So, like, for, for example, if I was telling you the temperature, I'd probably tell you it in degrees Celsius. If I was telling you my weight, I'd tell you my weight in stones and pounds. Right. So it's basically um, uh, 14 pounds in a stone. Okay. <laughs> Does someone weigh, like, stones and, like, get their average weight? And, like, um, that was what a no, stone so, was? So you, well, I have, I have a set of uh, scales here. And when I go on the scales, uh, which I uh, go on often because I am... Um, um, increasingly worried about ballooning as i uh, get into my uh, mid 30s here um <laughs> but uh yeah it gives me my weight in stones i've set it so it gives me my weight in stones and pounds hmm. so you know i'm uh, i think i'm currently 12 stone uh six which is you know uh you'd, you'd have to times the 12 by 14 <laughs> uh and i had six to get the uh to get the weight in pounds uh <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm, I'm interested now, so I'll uh, let's have a look. 174 pounds. So there I we think go. it's about the same as I weigh, yeah, approximately. I'm yes. apparently the fatty here at like 195, <laughs> so that's yeah. great. Which uh, it's always disappointing though how far off you are from like an average wrestler. You think like an average <laughs> wrestler is like 250 pounds? I'm like, oh, I'm a long way away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, cool. um, but yeah, uh, most people would uh, talk about their, uh, you know, their height and feet in inches, and their mm -hmm. um, their weight in stones and uh, pounds. So there we go. That's what it's like here, but without stones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and obviously we do the miles. Like I don't, I don't really we know. We do kilometers here. Yeah, you see, I mean, Canadians. All right, <laughs> carry on. Uh, oh, should we go into the first match here? Yeah, let's get into the footage. Okay, so our first match is going to be uh, Mick McManus taking on the ridiculous Kung Fu. <laughs> um, ridiculous, match... I love Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> this match is from, uh, where, 
when is, what's the date on this? Uh, uh, the date is April 24th, 1976. Uh, I'm not sure of the location, though. Okay. Um, Britain. Yeah, yes. somewhere, Some, somewhere in England. <laughs> I think. Somewhere in, uh, somewhere here. Okay. Um, well, the first thing, uh, amazing ring announcer. I don't, I don't know his name, and I've tried to find it. I've, I've been uh, looking online desperately to find out the ring announcer's name on uh, on this footage. Don't know who he is, but he's amazing. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, McManus, twelve stone seven, which is about my weight. <laughs> and um, well, I, I think Kung Fu is a ridiculous character. How would you describe him, uh, Stephen? If you had to, uh... he was. Uh, a masked glacier, um, but without, <laughs> without the uh, the mystical powers and more of the kung fu powers. Or, or, or Kelly, any more any... pink for some reason? I, I didn't get that. <laughs> any thoughts about the appearance of kung fu? Oh well, yeah. I mean, total like 1970s uh, gear, multicolored. Um, yeah, I. I... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's all right. I mean, <laughs> all, all I can do is look at him and think about him, like back in his bedroom, into his coat, into his Bruce Lee, making his little mask. You know, <laughs> just like. <laughs> I do know one thing. Uh, when he's unmasked later on, we find out that he's a nice-looking fella. Yes. Yeah, not oh. a bad-looking fella. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, Kelly, why don't you uh, why don't you go first on this match? Okay. Um, so we have Mick McManus, um, who was definitely a heel, like a, he was a solid heel. I don't know if he ever worked as a, as a blue eye. That's what the, the term is, um, for, for baby face in England. Um, he just looks like a heel, like he has a great heel face, uh, totally unlikable type character. Um, and he's, he's got a, a weakness, which is his ears. He's very... <laughs> <laughs> very sensitive ears and if you've seen um, a lot of Mick McManus matches I've watched maybe now five or so and yes it's always the ear gimmick which is uh, I, it always brings a smile to my face I love it um, it's great that he has like this you know flaw to him <laughs> that can be exposed um, so this match was uh, it was pretty good um, this was the, actually the first time I've ever seen a kung fu match uh, actually um, and I, at first I was wondering why he wore, was wearing a mask because um, the little I had seen of him like in clips and stuff he, he was unmasked um, but we'll get to that um, of course we got Kent Walton as the, the ring announcer or the announcer who is um, quite legendary he's uh, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame um, a, just a great voice, a great style um, kind of like a, a Gordon Soley I guess would be a one comparison you could make yeah, and i i did want to come back to this because i i, I forgot mm -hmm. to come back to it kelly um yeah so the, the set the world of sports setting and kent walton style they basically presented this so that it would be sort of seamless to go from other sports legit right. sports real sports to watching this and the wrestling wouldn't feel too out of place Mm -hmm. which, which I think, when you think about it in that context, yes. it makes a lot more sense why it was presented in the way it was. Uh, you know, no run-ins, treated, right. like treated like a sporting contest at all times. Um, I mean, Walton's commentary style is, is I would say, comparable to a lot of, um, you know, sports broadcasters at this time mm -hmm. yeah. uh, from, from the UK. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was. And he, yeah, like just like a, a straight up um, sports announcer with with no like over the top hyperbole or anything. Um, so yeah, we get um, Walton mentions that Kung Fu has never lost on TV, going back to October of '74, so about a year and a half. Um, he, I, I have the note that he looks like like a bad uh, comic book character from the time. Basically, if you know your 70s uh, Marvel and DC comics, there was a lot of like really gaudy uh, costumes, uh, <laughs> like blindingly I love just colors. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, awesome. I need to see more Kung Fu. I was very happy watching him. Do you, yeah. remember, the, do you remember the old Spider-Man film? Like the, like the uh, not the 70s Spider-Man film, but the, the, the first of like the new ones from like 2000 or something. Yeah, right. Tobey yeah. Maguire. Yeah, yeah, the one with uh, Randy Savage in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, you know, remember there was that scene where he makes like the first Spider-Man costume and it's really shit in his own bedroom. <laughs> that's that's basically like Kung Fu's got a bit of that in him as well. I, would suggest. I didn't think it looked so shitty. I thought it was <laughs> awesome. I'm in the middle. It's it's okay. Um, anyway, McManus bumps around like a maniac uh, in this match, and and he always that was one of his trademarks. And he was actually 56 or 55 or 56 years old wow. at the time of this match yeah but you couldn't really tell i mean yes like his face is definitely showing his age but you know uh, as far as uh, getting around the ring he's still pretty spry um so this goes to let's see da, 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 da. right round five. round five um yes and mcmanus gets the first fall in round three, three. Yeah, and and the, the falls in in as a as, as a rule it seems in um, World of Sport Wrestling is that they come kind of suddenly out of nowhere uh, often with just like a quick roll up pin, and and the referee doesn't count with his hands like slapping the mat. Yeah, um, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that you kind of you have to get used to. Um, it's basically he's just sort of judging, I guess, what counting in his head how long. I'm not sure exactly um how he <laughs> i determined. think he just looked down and he's like okay is the shoulders completely down for about a second uh, yeah yeah, that's over. yeah it, it definitely doesn't need to be three seconds or a count of three or whatever um so then kung fu in round four got a equally quick uh fall with an arm lock submission and then um in round five kung fu you know goes for a, a charge and misses and uh hurts his foot and then mcmanus immediately takes advantage of that he super kicks the turnbuckles and it destroys <laughs> his foot, which yes. leads to McManus wrapping on a foot submission for the win. I thought that finish was absolutely glorious and I loved it. Yes, that's putting it a lot better than I did. Um, yeah, and then in the post match, we get to, we, I finally understand why, you know, I, I think of Kung Fu as a, a wrestler without a mask because he pledged, I guess, right from the get go of his, his TV wrestling career that if he ever lost a match, on TV, he would unmask at the end of it, and he um, he honors this pledge after the match and unmasks, and then McManus disrespectfully like takes the mask and puts it on, like a total <laughs> asshole. And then Kung Fu gets his heat back this way, you know, by, uh, by getting like a, a revenge on on McManus right at the end, kicking his ass out of the ring and getting his mask back. Um, so yeah, I felt it was it was a good match, but the 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 three falls kind of felt rushed. I felt um, coming very quickly, um, one after the next almost. But that that's my only real big complaint. Not even a big complaint. 
Stephen? Oh, I uh, I really enjoyed this one a lot. Um, the first two rounds were full of Kung Fu doing amazing ear-based offense. He did <laughs> he did an ear toss, which was great. Uh, at one point, he had Big McManus on the ground, and he stuck his toes in his ears, which was really yes. cool. <laughs> um, Big McManus had a, like a sleeper on him, and he pulled the ears to escape from that. Uh, and there, there was like some kicks to the ears, and anytime McManus would get a submission on him, he would escape by using the ears, which I really loved. Um, and Kung Fu had a very obviously Kung Fu based offense with kicks and uh, like judo throws, which I thought was really cool. Um, I really liked, I really liked the falls. The way it, you know, once you're trapped in a submission or trapped in a pin, it's over. It was again a comparison to Lucia, where it's once you get that move on, you know, there's no escape. It's over. So I really like that. Um, I was saddened to see Kung Fu lose his mask, though, because I think it loses a little bit of his appeal. And I don't know if I want to see post uh, masked. I Kung agree. Fu. Yeah, I, I want to see him with the mask. But I, I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed both of these guys a lot. And uh, you know, I had this match three and a half, three and three quarters. I really, really liked it a lot. So, perfect. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I. I uh, well, I'll get to my star rating in a second. First of all, I thought McManus's character work is really great. I mean, his constant goading of kung fu, his drawing to the crowd, the way he carries himself. Just a terrific heel, obvious dick, you know. Um, <laughs> constantly complaining to the ref about something like he's constantly complaining which uh, uh, made me think you know really really good um, I thought it was very funny when Kung Fu took his karate robe off <laughs> um, that made me laugh uh, he... it was uh, Jerry Lawler uh, pulling down the strap come back <laughs> yeah totally um, I did like the way that, that McManus um, really honed in on that leg submission after he missed the kick uh, like you mentioned, um, I didn't think this was a great match or anything. About about three stars for me. Um, I did think it was a lovely showcase for what McManus could do. Yeah. Um, and I thought that the post match with McManus putting on the mask himself was very funny. Uh, very funny indeed. Um, it was. But uh, I can't take Kung Fu seriously as a babyface. I'm afraid, <laughs> <laughs> which is gonna, which is going to be a barrier for, to me uh, enjoying his matches. But. Uh, McManus, terrific heel. Um, do you know how much, how much of him is on uh, tape, Kelly? Because he is a guy who I could see breaching my top 100, which is, I guess, one of the reasons that we're doing this. Yeah, I think there's quite a bit um, from this era, you know, the early, even I think all the way through the 70s, and he was still wrestling in the early 80s uh, when he was in his 60s, early 60s. Um, you know, that's one thing about the nature of the footage is that pre-1970s, uh, f uh, world of sport footage is pretty scarce. I don't know what exists. I know a lot exists, I guess, in the ITV vaults, apparently. And yeah. um, you have to pay quite a hefty price to, to gain access to it. So that's why that's never you know been an option for fans. Um, but it appears that most of the footage in circulation is, is kind of like 1970 onwards. Um, so by then, McManus was uh, 50. And um, but still, I mean, like, as we've seen, he was still great. And I think there's a fair amount of, of which I've seen him in matches against Johnny Saint and um, various others. There's a match with him and Cat Weasel, uh, <laughs> who is an interesting, uh, uniquely 
British uh, wrestling character out there. I haven't watched that yet. I guess we should mention at this point that this match was recommended by Otani's jacket, OJ at Pro Wrestling Only, who is like the resident expert on World of Sport Wrestling. Um, and he made a, he created a thread there, uh, part of the Greatest Wrestler Ever um, forum, and uh, came up with a ton of, of recommendations. And uh, this match was one of the matches he recommended. So thank you, OJ. Well, yeah, for I'll... sure. And I have a question yeah. for Parv. Uh, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I would love for you to compare and contrast uh, Mick Mamanis to one of your other favorite guys, El Ferion, because I thought they were very similar. El now remind me who that is. <laughs> <laughs> he was the old, um, <laughs> old kind of Ole Anderson-esque Oh, technical yes, yeah. wrestler no, guy. I, I remember. Um, I have to. I have to say, Stephen. I need to. I need to see more of both guys to make a to make a real uh, c- c- comparison. My immediate thought would uh, would would be that um, I, I seem to remember. Uh, I don't remember him doing as much character work as McManus. I think McMa- I think McManus is a much more obvious character guy. Um, the, the 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 character guy that stands out from that old. Uh, 80s lucha stuff I've watched is actually um, what's his name? The guy with uh, with some fingers missing. What's his name again? Uh, Mocha. Is it, oh yeah, uh, Mocha Coda. Yes. Oh. Uh, now, like, I mean, it, I I wouldn't compare the two of them, but if there's anybody who would be comparable to that stuff, it would be him. Uh, just in terms of the way he carries himself and um, the way that he's, you know, constantly looking at the crowd and whatnot. Um, so yes. I'm sorry, my answer isn't much better than that. <laughs> well, that's fine. I have a I have a comparison of Mick McManus to somebody. How about Mick McManus and Baron Mikel Cicluna? You know, <laughs> oh, due to the the ear selling uh, aspect of uh, both men's uh, character. Yes, Parv. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> I would say that McManus has better character work than uh, Cicluna, but Cicluna has gone and beat on the Shakespeare. Oh, <laughs> true. <laughs> Which is the foreign object, the phantom foreign object uh, play. Um, we cannot leave this match without talking about, however, like Manus's hair. <laughs> of course. Um, because, I mean, how would you describe this hair if you had to, Stephen? <laughs> I don't think I could. Um, <laughs> it was disheveled, maybe. That's uh, well, it, it. It's basically. So he lacquers it black. He's clearly yeah. got like I don't know what he puts in it, like oil or black hair dye, but it's jet jet black. And yeah. as, as you mentioned, coal. he's a man. He rubs he, coal in it. <laughs> yeah, coal. He, he's fifty six years old, but his hair is you know b- blacker than black, <laughs> and it's all like kind of you know matted down. <laughs> so he's kind of like almost got it like in the in the Dracula manner, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, his hair his hair is a piece of art uh, by itself. It is <laughs> fantastic hair, fantastic uh, man. Let's yeah. uh, let's move on then. A, a decent first look at McManus, I thought, mm-hmm. and Kung uh, Fu, and and, and Kung Fu. Um, the the next uh, uh, match we're going to look at is um, Jim Breaks, um, who is another you know. Uh, of the workers that people really talk about from the yeah. era and from uh, from this promotion, uh, taking on Adrian Street, uh, who I've already mentioned once, who is a who is a guy 
um, who is from an area not far from where I grew up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm from South Wales, if you didn't know. Um, so I'm kind of predisposed to kind of like him because uh, he's, you know, <laughs> he speaks with an accent that I can uh, recognize. And uh, so there we go. Um, so uh, we have to talk about the clothes, first and foremost, because yes. Adrian Street comes in wearing what can only be described as a sequined robe. Um, not a million miles away from what we would see a certain Paul Levesque wearing uh, <laughs> in WCW years and years later. Oh, yeah. Yes. What do you think about that comparison? <laughs> I, I, I think Adrian Street's way better than Paul Levesque. Um, but but, but in, terms <laughs> of the cl- in terms of the clothes, they're similar. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, they're similar for sure. I what I really liked about uh, that whole thing with the jacket and taking off, and I think I've never seen this before, was when he took it off, they actually hung it on a hanger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never see that. It just, you kind of, they yeah. usually fold it up nicely and they give it to someone who brings it to the back, but actually hung it up, which was really cool. Now, um, I, have, I do have a question about the dates on this match. Okay. Well, where is the date on this? I have February 12th, 1972. Yes, uh, because I, this is a, an earlier look for it, for the Adrian Street that would become oh, famous. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the exotic Adrian Street who used to dress like, you know, the glam rock stars, you know, uh, T-Rex, Mark Bolan, or uh, maybe even David Bowie. Um, and uh, if you listen to Adrian Street, he actually influenced Mark Bolan in that whole look. I, I mean, I don't know how much of that to believe, but legend has it that Adrian Street <laughs> influenced glam rock, um, mm, which, well... which I'm, I'm willing to believe because <laughs> this was on TV and millions of people watched it. So it's not a million miles away from like the realms of believability and um, his, he he started the street gimmick in the early 60s like 1963 64 um yeah. i'm not sure how out and out glam yeah, well what interested what interested me kelly is uh how how do you transition from this look to that look oh, was this like a temporary deal he was doing here or oh i'm back <laughs> Oh, Did you know it... I was cut out? <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I was just asking, was this a temporary deal he was doing here with this uh, kind of alternative? Because this is much more, this is much closer to the kind of Buddy Roberts, Nature Boy, uh, almost like Gorgeous George style uh, gimmick than the exotic one, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I would say like the Gorgeous George influence would be the main one. Um, Buddy Rogers, me, uh, Ricky Starr could be another influence because Ricky Starr, who played like a, in a, you know, this ballerina, effeminate sort of character, uh, came to England in the '60s and, and wrestled there. Uh, right. It basically transplanted himself into England, so that could be another influence. I'm not sure how known Gorgeous George and Buddy Rogers well, were in England. Street has said that he idolized uh, Buddy Rogers. Uh, right for, okay. for, for a time and that when he first got in the promoter um the promoter actually dubbed him nature boy um so he kind of tried to pick up some of the you know and i don't even know if he was able to watch any footage or thing or anything he would have just read about him mm-hmm. i guess uh and yeah. made, made up his own mannerisms but yeah um i think rogers would be the, the be the kind of but uh, i was surprised to see him doing this sort of thing as late as 72 
um, because I associated with a completely different look from this. So I just thought that was interesting. From a... right, I I tried to research uh, Street's career, but there's a huge gap um, from basically 1972 till the early 80s, where there's like no information. Uh, whatsoever for whatever reason all the sites like wrestling data cage match have nothing listed for him from that time i think he was he came to the states at some point in i, think I don't know i think it's 81 that he cut that he goes to the states and as, as okay. far as as far as i understand it in the late 70s he actually left uh joint promotions to work for what would essentially be indies uh, right after, that would make sense after falling out with uh max crabtree over, yeah, because uh, over... I don't think there's much footage of him from World of Sport at all um, out mm. there. And I think it wasn't long after this match with Breaks that he, he left. Um, yeah, because he basically drops off the radar completely for almost a decade. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I think for a period he was working for them but not getting the TV matches. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, okay, well, th th so that was Street uh, going in. Jim Breaks, I have to say, uh, looks properly hard and rough to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he is definitely what I would call of the British working class. Uh, and he's the sort of guy that, should you know, if you saw him in the pub, you did you wouldn't want to look at him twice because he could take your head off. That's, that, that would, that's my, you know, he's got that broken nose. Mm -hmm. um, he just looks rough to me. Uh, and I he would, owned a pub. And, and he owned a pub, which doesn't uh, surprise me <laughs> in the least. Uh, uh, yeah, we're told that he spends half his time running a pub near Wick, uh, in uh, Wick, uh, near Bradford. And, uh, you know, Bradford is rough as hell. <laughs> it really is, um, even now. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mess with him at all. <laughs> that's, that, I mean, that's the impression he gives me. Uh, I, I'm interested about you guys. Uh, Stephen, what, uh, what do you make of breaks when you look at him? Uh, breaks, man. Uh, I never really saw him before, but I have been watching a bit of Drew Gulak and Timothy Thatcher and Biff Busick from this year on the Indies, and it seems pretty obvious that Breaks was one of the guys that these guys watched to kind of uh, take from. So, watching Jim Breaks in this match, like, felt familiar, even though I've never seen it, which was interesting. And you know, he just seemed like a a badass working class does he seem hard to you because i i'm always interested well, what do you mean by that because that's a very british term well uh, hard is it uh like is he ready to go screw someone in the back uh, <laughs> no, no, no. like what do you mean uh hard would be uh i'm trying to think of what you guys would say like tough i guess but that yeah, sounds really tough. lame uh, but kind of like you know somebody who would be leg legitimately beat somebody else up uh yeah. if they were to have a fight uh, yeah, somebody who you, a, yeah. you don't mess with, I guess. Yeah, yeah, if he was in a bar fight, I would uh, put my money on him. A, t a tough guy, I guess, uh, you, yeah, you yeah. would say. Um, Kelly, does that come across to you as well when you look at Jim Breaks' face? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I love Breaks. And yeah, he has a great face too. Another total heel face um, where he just, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he, he has, he's got that like rough sort of lower class look to yeah. him. And there's a, there's a boxer, I can't bloody remember his name now uh was it barry mcguigan uh there's a few like boxers um who uh have had some big money fights in recent memory who have that same face 
Uh, also, Wayne Rooney sort of has a face like that. It's just yeah. a kind of it's just a kind of f- face that you get from uh, yeah. from these sorts of areas. Maybe it comes from having a broken nose. Um, and a broken... No, he, he kind of looks like a soccer hooligan type that would yeah. smack a mug of beer over your head and yeah. Bite your um, ear off or something. The fight. So uh, when this match started and Street uh, was doing all his effeminate mannerisms, um, I was like, Brakes does not look like the sort of guy you'd, you'd, you'd fuck with doing all of that fanning about the Street was doing. <laughs> like, all, like I was like, uh, you know, he's dicing with his life here. So Stephen, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, man. I, I didn't write too many notes for this because... I was just so intrigued watching the whole match. Like, it was so smooth and so, like, unless you're right, but these two, they, it was smooth in a way that it was very pretty to watch, but it wasn't smooth in a way where it felt like an exhibition. It felt like these two were actually trying to win. Um, and it, the, the I really loved uh, Brake's attack of uh, Street's arm. Uh, and his continued attack on that—that that was really cool. And the Jim Breaks special that he pulls off to uh, get his first submission in round five—I thought was one of the coolest submission moves I've ever seen. How, how do you describe the Jim Breaks special? <laughs> it was kind of like a—I'm gonna pick him up by the arm type of thing. I don't even know how to describe it. It was very interesting. How would you describe it, Parv? I have no idea. Uh, well, I mean it's. <laughs> Um, wasn't it that he bends the elbow back so mm-hmm. that the el- the joint of the elbow is pointing upwards and then doesn't he essentially <laughs> stomp down on the on the joint of the elbow isn't isn't that what the gym break special is yeah and he also bends the hand backwards yeah you so it's, you're ba- he's it's basically looks like he's going to break your wrist by stamping on your elbow yeah. Which is one of the nastiest moves you'll ever see anywhere, and it's got one of the coolest names ever: the Jim Briggs <laughs> Special. <laughs> um, like Briggs has got a double meeting, which was is pretty cool too for that. Yeah. A- any other thoughts on this match, or shall I? Uh, should we bring in Kelly? Uh, just it was just so fun to watch, like Briggs and uh, Street too. Just. The, the stuff they were doing with the submissions and the counters and the character work by uh, Street of being uh, he like flexes pecs at sometimes and he's doing all these little arrogant show offy things and then uh, he starts getting his arm destroyed and you see he's try- like he's in a lot of pain and but he isn't like a lot of people who are this kind of character he wasn't like a really pansy you know, he wasn't mm-hmm. like Lanny Poffo, who was like crying. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm a tough guy, but I'm also uh, uppity, maybe, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Kelly, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this this is a really good match. Um, it's a catchweight match, uh, like we talked about uh, before. Um, uh, Breaks is a lightweight, and he's the, the current British and European lightweight champion going into this one and street was a former welsh lightweight champion i'm not sure the exact weight he is at this point but he's just no no longer a lightweight slightly heavier than uh breaks not really that noticeable 
Um, yeah, I'd seen this match before. Um, so it was definitely more impactful watching it the first time, not knowing when the falls were going to come and, you know, not seeing the arm work before and end all that. So, you know, it's, it's still a very good match, but I felt this time watching it, it was a little, you know, it wasn't as um, exciting as, as the first go around. And that's common with, uh, you know, a lot of matches for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the arm work is, is great. It's, you know, great psychology, you know, he keeps at it the whole time, you know, street starts around skipping around the ring and, and does the whole effeminate act. And slowly as it goes on though, you know, breaks gets more and more, you know, uh, you know, gets more rough and the match gets rougher and, and street sort of his hair is getting all messy and, He's no longer, you know, relying on the the, the skipping and the, the that sort of mind games, and he's getting more into, you know, this is just a fight between two tough guys, and this was basically a heel versus heel uh, matchup, um, which wasn't rare at the time. Like was mentioned before, you know, they, it was all about, you know, competing, and it wasn't really about the, the traditional heel face structure. But but Street comes off definitely as as like the de facto. Uh, face for this match. Um, Breaks is just, you know, the, he got, I mean, Breaks got his uh, uh, fair amount of cheers from the crowd too. It was kind of a split crowd. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, there was, Breaks was a very popular guy with a lot of fans. I mean, he had fan clubs and stuff like that. Um, not as much of a, a sort of a dick heel as, as Mick McManus, yeah. I think. And he was the lightweight champion very much, you know, for years and years. So he's probably respected for being you know, the best, the best of the best. And, um, yeah, you know, he, he was a great worker. Um, I would love to have seen someone like him in like the context of, you know, uh, American promotion at the time, you know, seeing him wrestle, um, American workers and stuff like that would have been an interesting, um, it would have been just interesting to see him work in that atmosphere. Cause I think he would have got over anywhere basically. Um, he's very good. And yeah, yeah, this was a good match. And I liked how at the end, you know, after, um, as we got to round six, after um, uh, Street finally submitted, you know, and he was worn down. But at the start of round six, he goes back to the skipping, you know, just to sort of show, you know, okay, you know, I'm still, I, I haven't like, um, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not, I don't care. Yeah, maybe you got to fall on me, but I'm still going to stick to the skipping and the sort of the mind games. And, and that was a nice little touch right at the end. And then he gets the quick submission right at the end with a double arm lift to to get the draw and um yeah this this is um this was one of the first i think world of sport matches i watched and um yeah it, it's, it's it's a real good one for sure yeah um the the boxer i was thinking of by the way uh wasn't barry mcguigan it is ricky hatton you, you guys oh yeah yeah. yeah that yeah, name's yeah, yeah. familiar yeah I, I think uh if you look up ricky hatton you'll see what i'm on about with the uh with the jim breaks comparison there yeah for um sure. But uh, yes, um, one of the things I forgot to mention about McManus was just how vocal he was during the match. You know, he was shouting, come on, all the time. Do you remember? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and that's something that him and Brakes have in common. Because Brakes doing this match, uh, you know, he was like, come on then, you'll submit. Yeah. <laughs> which, yep. which, uh, <laughs> which I thought was a great uh, which it was a great thing. And another time he was like, if you can't carry on, get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um so, I mean, immediately, is, I think it's very obvious straight away that Breaks is a great, great worker. Um, uh, Street's uh, punches are very stiff in this match. 
the mat work is really fluid. It's constantly moving all the time, uh, you know, and it, it's it's very difficult to keep track of track of it because it's happening at such a pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also realistic at the same time, if that makes any sense. Uh, so I yeah. really uh, dug some of that mat work there. Brakes is uh, tremendous at selling, whether it's bumping or selling pain on a submission hold or something. Um, uh, in one uh, in round four, when Street targets Brakes' nose, so oh, I, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that if um, if uh, McManus dislikes tar- the ear, Brakes <laughs> does not like the nose being being uh, worked. Is that right? <laughs> Um, I hope no one likes their nose being so street uh, does some nose based work um, (laughs) uh, at one point doesn't he like try to throw him by his nose at one point Um, and Walton says that breaks that his nose broken so many times that there can hardly be any bone left in it (laughs) which I thought was just nasty Um, and uh, yeah some of the best arm work you'll ever see as we've all talked about you know the snapping the elbow back and jumping on it while the wrist is i mean it just looks like i don't actually understand how that can be worked how can you work that and not have it actually legit break somebody's arm any ideas anyone it's the magic of pro wrestling they they are uh they're defying physics there for me because uh, i think they use some cgi (laughs) i mean that's uh like i don't know how you work a gym break special without actually hurting somebody's arm um and uh i mean breaks just destroyed uh, Street's arm in that fifth round uh, which I thought was really good and then uh, post-match Street gets on the mic and claims that if he had a chance to train because right. he's just come back from West Africa yeah. he'd have beaten Brakes uh, <laughs> that's a great comment I, mm-hmm. I thought this was at least a four star match if not more uh, I mean I don't, you don't do ratings Kelly but uh, Stephen yeah. where were you with a star rating on this if you had to give it I actually wrote down four as well, so um, we're right around the same camp. Um, I love you too, sweetie. Uh, so, sorry, my wife's just leaving. Um, I'm but... glad you were talking to me. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen Gray, I'm the Adrian Street of uh, podcasting here. <laughs> I wasn't the one talking about uh, Jim Brakes being hard. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so yeah, four stars, that seems about right. That's where I had it. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, was that you guys uh, were talking about Jim Brakes being the uh, the heel. Um, I didn't. I guess Adrian Street was such an effective heel that I didn't really get Jim Brakes as a heel here. I thought he was just like more of like a Steve Austin badass babyface. But uh, I'd have to see him in different situations. It probably more obvious there. But in this match, he just seemed like he was going to kick the ass of the uh, pansy. So no, I I think it's fairly obvious that uh, if this is a heel versus heel affair, like Kelly said. Um, mm-hmm. because just based on some of the stuff that Walton was saying and also you do hear some of the crowd chanting the street at different times yeah. like support it not chanting but supporting yeah. supporting in a, <laughs> in a in a in a good sporting way um, <laughs> let's not have that conversation <laughs> yeah streets no. um, streets efforts in this match so yeah no i mean he wasn't an outrageous you know american style heel but if you see some of his other matches he's a you know there's a lot more complaining to the point where you know the 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 crybaby chants um get broken out quite often that was something like a, a part of jim breaks matches that the the, ch- the crowd would start chanting crybaby 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 at the one point oh sorry no that's uh, the, the, the one point uh i guess that i I felt 
at a place as a baby face was whenever he won and the announcer was going to announce how he won the first his uh, his first victory and Jim Briggs went to him and said that you have to tell him that I won by the Jim Briggs special as opposed to whatever you were going to call it. So that seemed out of place as a baby mm. face for me. So yeah, Steven, uh, you're, you're going to have to do uh, a top six show on best named moves ever. <laughs> Jim Briggs special is right up there. Mm-hmm. I can't up there actually... The, uh, I can't the actually... driver and the... <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, one of the things I... One last thing I want to say is that um, Walton, if you listen to him, his like ideal match is super duper clean with handshakes, uh, you know, <laughs> gentlemanly conduct. This is how he wants his wrestling, super duper clean. Um, yeah. So his general tone is like, Jim Breaks is a great wrestler, but I wish he didn't have to do all of these things. He doesn't need to do it, you know. Um, and he's like that consistently with all of the rule breakers, right, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's he always, you know compliments them and, and especially someone like breaks who was you know the, the champion and, and a great wrestler that yeah he you know wishes that he wouldn't have they wouldn't have to resort to these tactics because you know the it's 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 unbecoming of them as gentlemen or something like that yeah but th- it was that, very lance russell yeah but that, that yeah I mean, that's that, true. that would be the same in like if it, if you imagine if it was a legit sport and he was a legit sports commentator yeah exactly. that's exactly they'd make exactly those same comments like if you're mm-hmm. watching, um, if you watch soccer in this country, you know they will always talk about diving uh, yeah. as being a yeah. terrible thing to do. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, And that they will. Uh, so you know, um, I can mm-hmm. see exactly why it was presented that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that 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 wouldn't be a first uh, a bad first match to watch if you were first getting into world of sport for the first time. Yeah, I reckon. I think so. So uh, the final match then that we're going to look at here is the Royals versus the Saints. That is Vic Faulkner and Burt Royal taking on Roy and Tony Sinclair. Now, uh, when did this match take place, Kelly? Uh, I have the date as December 1st, 1971. So not too long before uh, the break street match, actually. So 1971 in, it has to be said, a pretty empty arena. (laughs) <laughs> well, the further back, yeah, you definitely can see a lot of empty seats. It looked like it was almost in like a theater, the the way the yeah. the seats were set up. Um, yeah, I, I would su- I would suggest that um, a lot of these venues were old, um, either working men's halls as they used yeah. to have them, or yeah. um, or actual old town halls I that they were so. just using for the wrestling. You know that mm-hmm. week. So that, that's mm-hmm. what I was. That's what I would imagine. Um, a lot of these places are probably they're not there anymore sadly but uh, there we go um, well uh, I think it's Kelly's turn to go first mm-hmm. uh, on this tag match yeah so the previous match would basically being a, a heel versus heel match this the tag match is basically um, well it is a babyface versus babyface match totally um, this is as you know fair and square as you get pretty much for a wrestling match almost um, the Royals were uh, seems to be they were kind of like the most uh, well-known tag team or one of the most mess- most highly regarded tag teams in the history of um, world of sport wrestling. Um, they were actual brothers. And the reason that they have different uh, surnames, I had to check. 
so I was curious, and I had some spare time. Um, <laughs> Bert, Bert Royal, his real name was Hubert Faulkner. So Faulkner is the actual uh, family name, and their father was a wrestler, uh, and he wrestled as Vic Hessel. Um, oh. So uh, Bert Royal is was born in 1931, and he's 13 years older than his brother, Vic. So uh, he got on the scene in the 1950s and wrestled as Burt Royal then. And then I guess when Vic came around in the mid-1960s, he, for whatever reason, just decided to go with his, the real family name instead of uh, going with Royal. Um, but they were always billed as the Royals. Um, and actually, Burt Royal appeared on the first ever uh, wrestling TV show in Britain, the November 9th, 1955 show. Uh, he wrestled on that show, so there's a bit of trivia for you. And yes, he was 40 years old going into this match, and Vic was about 26, 27 years old. Um, so, and and I believe the Saints were um, a pretty well-known team too. There's not a ton of tag wrestling out there, footage-wise. Um, it was uh, as far as I know, they they wanted to keep tag wrestling. A special attraction so that was one of the reasons so it, it, they didn't uh they would have maybe like eight or so tag matches on tv per year uh i read that somewhere um so it was kind of a rare special attraction apart from um, like every every single big daddy match right is a tag match. well later yeah later on you they had no choice uh with big daddy because as a singles guy he couldn't really do much so they had to hide him in tags <laughs> so maybe tag wrestling did become a bit more prevalent later i don't know if they ever had championships for tag wrestling i i have no clue at all and there wasn't weight classes or anything for the tags the tags were all you know catch uh, catch weight bouts and there there wasn't like i said uh, earlier no rounds it was a straight like a 30 minute uh, time limit and they make quite a big deal about the weight differential here as well don't they because uh, yeah even though it wasn't that noticeable, or at least I didn't think it was. But... No, what was it? The um, the Royals are giving up weight to the Saints. Is that right? Yeah, it would have to be because Vic was the, by far the the tiniest of all the wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. But I bet it wasn't a huge weight difference, really. Um, this is a really good match. I saw this one uh, two a, a year or so ago, and um, you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's not your typical you know, uh, uh, face and peril type tag match, Southern style tag match. It's like I said, a straight, you know, um, legit, uh, uh, good guys contest here. And, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, it's worked at a really fast pace. Um, Vic Faulkner, especially just is bounds, you know, he's got endless energy, just jumping all over the place, running the ropes is running the rope spots. They did several different variations of that spot throughout the match. That goes almost the entire 30 minutes um, to the point you're, you're pretty much thinking it's going to be a draw. Uh, they sneak in a fall in the last couple minutes to get the win for the for the Royals. Um, yeah, um, lots of comedy spots in this match too. Um, not like outrageous spots, but just little like cheeky sort of things. Especially Faulkner was definitely like the you know he, his character was like this impish kind of guy you know he's like a, che- a cheeky chappy yeah a cheeky chap it's <laughs> a perfect way to put it <laughs> even when he's out on the apron you know he's always shit disturbing or something you know but not in a heel way or anything it was just you know he was just you know goofing around sort of you know happy-go-lucky sort of guy that was just having fun basically not any malice behind any of his um 
any of his little bits. Um, so about halfway through the match, things start to get heated. It, it's a pretty, you know, back and forth, uh, mat work based sort of thing for the first 15 minutes. But then, you know, you start to get, you know, whether they're, they're trying a bit harder, uh, working a little rougher. And uh, it's actually, yeah, the Burt Royal gets the first pin with like a roll up bridge type deal at the 16 minute mark. And then at the 22 minute mark, Tony St. Clair gets the, the exact same roll up bridge pin to, to even things up. And then we kind of have like a, actually a pretty uh, dramatic uh, final fall or end to the match with a, a lot of near falls that you don't see a lot of in, in at least the world of sport I've seen where they were actually trading. And there were some like believable pin attempts uh, near the end actually. And um, yeah. And then at the end we get uh, the Royals getting the, the final fall with a double reverse leg Nelson. <laughs> Uh, as um, Kent Walton called it, um, mm. yeah, it was it was a fun match. A lot of uh, just really well worked. Everyone looked good, you know. Everything was pretty crisp, and the crowd was really into it. Uh, yeah, it was a fun match. But one of the little things I wanted to mention um, is that um, there's one distinctive thing about the style that is different from a lot of other places. They don't really do suplexes and things, do they? That's a good point. Um, there's not a lot of throws um, and even when you do get them it's more like the guys do bump around I mean Faulkner was really flying all over the place in this match but it's more like somebody's being thrown by their head say to break a hold or something or their ear def- or their ear or they, you know you'll you'll seldom see like a you know any suplex variation or pile drivers or even body slams from that I can remember Maybe the occasional snap mare or something like that. So, um, Stephen, uh, do you agree with that? And what do you think of this match? Yeah, I, I, it didn't. It seems to be more of I'm not trying to like hurt the other guy. I'm trying to beat the other guy uh, a lot, and like I'm trying to wear them down to get a victory. I'm not trying to like pile drive them on the head to break their neck, um, which you see in American wrestling. Maybe that was maybe more of the idea is treat it because you're treating it more of a sport. Like in boxing, you're not trying to, or UFC, you're not trying to like hurt or kill the other guy. You're just trying to beat them. So uh, maybe that was more of the philosophy there. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the reason that interests me is that when you think about uh, people like um, Dynamite Kid <laughs> or even like a Billy Robinson, they do do their high spots quite a lot uh when they're working in america and elsewhere so i'm wondering if that changes when we get into the later 70s and the early 80s uh, any idea kelly uh i don't really know i i i want to say that it does because i don't know how you know in american wrestling in the early 70s if suplexes were you know really prevalent i guess definitely much more so than this oh yeah i mean uh dory's busting out his butterfly suplex all the time Right, yeah, Dory did have that, and yeah, but I mean, I think in uh, in general, I think suplexes. Uh, it was more, actually, I I, I want to go out on a limb and say it was more of a Japan influence. Eventually, that sort of made it the big thing that it would become. The different variations and yeah, such. Yeah, I, I think Harley Race is uh, somebody who seemed to be a big suplex guy, so maybe uh, maybe he might be someone to look at as well. Because it, it, this has been something I've been interested in increasingly. When do the big bombs, the big throws, start to become more prevalent in wrestling in general? 
Because even if you go back and watch Japanese wrestling, uh, early 70s, it's mainly mat work. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just just a general question, because these guys aren't doing them at all, uh, like, no. which is interesting. But I don't miss them at all either, which is, which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen. Yes. Um, this match, uh, it was all right. I... I was turned off by it. Uh, I think Vic Faulkner's kind of joking attitude throughout the match really kind of grated on me. It kind of <laughs> annoyed me a lot. I, I sound like a 70-year-old curmudgeon, but... <laughs> they're not serious enough for you. You want your wrestlers to be serious like Bret Hart and Chris Benoit. Like Adrian Street. He did some silly things, and I had no problem with him, but... Vic Faulkner, I don't know. He, he really, he's uh, he's my Chief J Strongbow, I think. There's <laughs> something about him that just rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, I did really like the first falls finish where it was like a monkey flip where the guy landed on his feet and then reversed it and then got the pin. That was kind of neat. Um, I kind of liked all the other guys. I had no problem with them, but I don't know. Anytime Vic Faulkner was in there, he was shaking people's hands. He was laughing. Oh, there was something that the other team did, the the Clares or the Saints. Um, There was – he was in a submission where his, like, legs were spread. I think they called it a leg spread. And he was kind of, like, smiling, like, ha-ha, this won't beat me. And he kind of got out of it. And I was like, shouldn't it hurt? Like, why are you sitting there kind of just giggling (laughs) through this match? Like (laughs) – I was turned off pretty quickly, um, and then uh, I don't know. It was all right. I'm not high on it. I like <laughs> the other stuff a lot better. <laughs> I think I think I like Faulkner a bit more than you did. <laughs> I would hope. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a moment where he tags, um, where uh, he tags out. Faulkner comes so uh, Bert Royal tags out. Vic Faulkner comes in. He shakes hands with Tony Sinclair, and then he tags out again. Yeah. That was the only part I liked about him. That was the best thing he did all match was a handshake. And, uh, and, Walton's, and, like, and Walton's like, yeah, they just wanted to break momentum a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Good psychological ploy. Um, yeah. uh, there was a funny moment when Faulkner went to... Um, <laughs> Faulkner was in a predicament, and um, he got, like, uh, the ref noticed uh, his leg was in the rope or something, and uh, he... You know, they broke the hold, and then Faulkner went over and he shook the ref's hand. I enjoyed that. Um, just, uh, you know, just ridiculous, ridiculously thanking the ref. Uh, and then, um, I, I did think as well that during the um, the Tony Sinclair, uh, Vic Faulkner exchanges, the mat work was so fluid that they looked like they were attached by springs. It's almost like they were, I don't really know how they were staying together through through some of that stuff. Um, I mean, it's hard to describe what they were actually doing, but it's like, um, yeah, attached by springs would be the way that I tried to uh, explain it. Um, uh, the one other little Faulkner bit that I liked was when um, <laughs> was when he was in <laughs> he was in he was in a hold um, by I think Roy Sinclair, and uh, he pointed up at the lights. Look at that. And uh, the, the the distraction was enough to allow him to break. <laughs> I that was like more, more, more people should do things like that, I reckon, in wrestling. You, you don't think so, Stephen? No, that wasn't too bad. I, I think I figured it out while you were talking, though. Um, <laughs> my problem with Vic Faulkner was when I was a child, I, soccer was the sport I played. And I, 
I think I played soccer the same way Vic Faulkner wrestled, uh, <laughs> where you're kind of friendly, you're nice, you know, you're talking to the referee, you know, you're complimenting him, and you're having conversations with your opponent and kind of having a larf. Um, so I don't know, maybe it was um, something about that and that turned me off. Maybe so I didn't you, like the way I played. So you're like sports. a self, a self-loathing. Football <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Cause I didn't play other sports like that. Just soccer. <laughs> <laughs> like in basketball, it was all about trash talk and in hockey, you know, laying the, the hits. But for soccer, it, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting I, psychological insight into the mind of Stephen Graham. Yeah. I, I do agree that this was probably the least of the three matches we saw. Yeah. I but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I can see Faulkner being great. I mean, his face and the, the, the smile and grin. <laughs> like, yeah, that's someone you kind of want to smack. You know, he's, he's like a annoying presence you know what but, if he was heel i probably would have loved him yeah see but i don't think his act is heelish like it, it's it's just should have been yeah but eh, he's just being kind of a this annoying sort of guy he's not really a mean-spirited in any way or anything he's just I, yeah. I, I, i'm trying to think if the i'm trying to think of like a u.s equivalent of that sort of attitude in the ring yeah yeah i don't it's know maybe um who is that guy? Uh, hurricane. Uh, who is the hurricane? Oh who yeah, that? that's actually kind of a interesting comparison. Shane Helms. Yeah, Shane. Yeah, Helms. Hurricane oh, Helms. Yeah, he had that a bit of that about him, a little bit. Uh, I'd say. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult though because you don't get that character too often in U.S. wrestling, but that's the closest I can think of. Um, okay. There was some. Uh... Uh, there was Eddie Guerrero whenever he was kind of cheating to win. Um, I did enjoy that a lot. Yeah. He employed some of the same tactics, but I don't know. I like <laughs> Eddie Guerrero. Vic, Vic Faulkner can suck an egg or something. So well, I, I guess this is a good time to, uh, we might as well, if we're going to do a few of these shows, we might as well ask this question. Uh, who of the guys that we've seen, do you give a shot at your top hundred? Uh, based on these, uh, you know, initial looks at them, Stephen, uh, McManus, uh, Jim Brakes, and if there is more very similar to what we saw tonight, Kung Fu. Mm. Right, but but not but not Adrian Street. Well, not like maybe, uh, mm. but of the four, he'd uh, he'd be the lowest. Right, and you're not considering any of the tag workers? No, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Kelly? Um, yeah, I mean, McManus and Briggs, I love them. Uh, they're probably the two top guys from World of Sport that I'd like, especially McManus. I just I just love Mick McManus. Uh, he's, like, almost one of my ideal uh, wrestlers. Um, Adrian Street, I've, if I saw more of him from this era, maybe... Uh, this is the only match I've seen, um, so that's that's not much to go on. Um, yeah, so those two guys for sure. I think the Royals as a tag team, you know, they were together for something like almost twenty years as a tag team. So I definitely want to explore a bit more of them. I think because uh, I think they had a pretty good act down as a tag team. 
Sure. I I would give uh, Street a shot at the eighty to one hundred range, which is very competitive in my list because there's, uh, there's a lot. I seem like I say like that about a lot of guys these days. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, McManus strikes me as somebody who would get over anywhere. Yeah. Especially. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would have been if he had made the trip over to the states at some point. I could see him getting over huge uh, as a heel. Mm-hmm. And, and pretty much anywhere that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And uh, Breaks, probably a top 20 guy, really. Uh, Maybe, yeah. A phenomenal worker. So it, it just depends on how many great matches are out there. Because um, really, I mean, have you ever seen a guy work joints as well as he does? Regal? Uh, mm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. What do you think, Kelly? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, think he, Breaks has got, got a, kind of... Yeah, he's on another level, I think. He's got a kind of nastiness about him. You know, a, a lot of the... A lot of Regal... I mean, Regal's obviously uh, really good at uh, working the mat and working joints and things, but, you know, a lot of Regal is his face as well. You can't get away from it. <laughs> how, just how great of a character he is. Yeah. Um, Breaks is just pure, like, you know, I mean... He has a different type of character, but you know, I don't know. I've never seen Regal do anything like the Jim Briggs special, where you just think, "Oh my God, his his arm is literally going to break there," you know. Um, so yes, uh, I give Break the breaks the highest possible shot. He could even, depending on how many matches there are out there, maybe even top ten. I'll say it. So yeah, I I could see him for mine anywhere from ten to like thirty. Like depending on how much footage there is and how much I get around to watching, so. Yes, and I, I will. Uh, I will say. I mean, I, I'll go. I'm going to go off and watch a pile of uh, World of Sport now. In between now and uh, whenever we reconvene, mm-hmm. um, but I'm excited yeah. to talk about World of Sport more. Yeah, yeah. it's Me my too. biggest blind spot, I would think. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess, um, I, how do I end this? I usually say, Kelly, what are we watching next? But we, we have no, I can't go to that. So I no. guess uh, you and I, Stephen, are going to be watching more All Japan soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, more of Jumbo killing guys and uh, early Kawada, Masawa, and Kabashi and Tawe. Always have, great fun. Have you got anything else in the pipeline from your Pro Wrestling Super Show? Yeah, uh, this week we're... Uh, for next Wednesday, we're continuing the Extreme Vault series. So we're watching the uh, ECW November to Remember 1997 with uh, the same guys we watched the last ECW pay-per-view with, with Glenn Butler and Mark Clare. So that should be a lot of fun. I've never seen the show, so I don't even know what to expect. So I, I've never even heard anyone talk about it. So I have no idea what's even, I think, Bam Bam Bigelow over Shane Douglas is the only thing I know that's on there. Uh, and then I'm planning... Uh, the next week uh, of series on the feud between Carlos Colon and Stan Hansen. So that should oh, be good. Well, that was a good one. That's something that I'm interested in, and I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to watching some of that Puerto Rico stuff. I wish I could even pretend to feign interest in the ECW 97, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to go back and watch and kind of, you know, make fun of a little. Um. Kelly, have we uh, got anything else in the Titans pipeline? Uh, yeah, I, uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to, you know, as like a last word on the world of sport for now, um, for anyone who wants to get into it or is more interested um, after listening to this, uh, what I did, it was a couple of years ago, and 
you know, on, on ProWrestlingOnly.com, there had been a lot of talk, and there always has been, on uh, World of Sport. And I was getting interested, and I finally took the plunge by watching uh, a BBC uh, documentary from a couple years ago called When Wrestling Was Golden, Grapples, Grunts, and Grannies, which I highly recommend. It's um, a good history of, of um, World of Sport or of just of, of wrestling in uh, England in general. Um, very uh, interesting. It goes like interviews with all the, the different uh, wrestlers and characters. So it's it's a cool thing. Um, on Titans TV on YouTube, I have a playlist with the um, documentary and a bunch of uh, other matches. Uh, stuff with the Dynamite Kid, stuff with uh, Rollerball, uh, Mark Rocco, who's a, a famous name, Johnny Saint, um, Kendo Nagasaki, someone that uh, appeals to me because of the, the mysterious mask. Uh, aspect to him and uh, all kinds of other stuff. A young Davy Boy Smith, young David in a match against Jim Brakes, which um, is really good too. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff out there. And Titans-wise, I guess, uh, let's see. Well, there is a, a big uh, uh, possible, I guess we should still say, yes. um, possible big well, interview coming well, on the I Titans. Guess, uh, I, I guess if it happens, it will drop before this show. So, <laughs> yes. So um, yes, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a it's a, a nice uh, get for us, and unfortunately, I won't be able to take a take part in it. But um, Parv and Pete will uh, knock it out of the park for sure. So yeah, we look we look forward to that. Or if it's already happened, tell us what you think about it. And um, yeah, can I, there I... be a Titans extra where you watch midget matches? Oh well, <laughs> I've been trying to work midget matches into the the uh, WWF 1981 oh, rotation. Okay, um, it's not they were not they were left off the set. You know I don't know. Oh, why. that's a shame. Um, but, <laughs> but the I've thing been is, to acquire is there, them. yeah, is there any midget that we could make a legit case for for the top 100? Like that's what I'm curious about. What midget can we nominate? Hate the kid. I I, I think that's going to be the the area I look into. The midgets. Okay, I'll, There's I'll gotta be... be like I love the midgets. Mascara Sagrita, maybe. El Torito right now. Say so. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. How about Sky Lolo, a fellow Canadian? Uh, I was fond of uh, Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo. He seemed to be my guy. I I would uh, my nomination is the Haiti Kid. I think. Okay. Mainly, mainly due to his work with uh, Dick uh, Worley. <laughs> I'm gonna go on. A, I'm gonna start a midget thread and watch as much midget wrestling as possible. Um, okay. Well, you probably got. Uh, you know, yeah, there are probably as many good midget wrestlers as there are. Um, uh, yes. Uh, work, work, <laughs> work, 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 work on that one, Stephen. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The only other thing I've got coming up is uh, that we have um, where the big boys play will be back after uh, Chad has had his. Uh, had his, uh, is now a father, of course, and uh, we are reviewing Halloween Havoc 1991 on Halloween, um, and that that may or may not already be recorded, uh, people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can safely predict that that will be up on the 31st. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, and uh, join us next time, whenever that is, on Titans Extra. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Extra. The last of the Titans, 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 the
Monster Titan.